Welcome back to the Practical Family Podcast. You're listening to episode 82, Recognizing the Triggers in Your Marriage. I'm your host, Jennifer Bryant, and today we're interviewing Amber Leah, who is returning to us after having been on before with Wendy Speak. They were here for their Parenting Triggers book, but now Amber has written a new book. She's co-written it with her own husband, Guy. So Amber and Guy are joining us today to talk about marriage triggers, exchanging spouses' angry reactions for gentle biblical responses. So the Practical Family Podcast is here to strengthen moms for real life struggles, and we want to help you to discover your gifts and embrace grace. And part of discovering your gifts is discovering who you are in your marriage and how you relate to one another. Amber and Guy will talk to us about personalities and recognizing the situations that tend to trigger them the most. And by triggers, we mean the things that cause us to react negatively to our spouse, maybe when we don't mean to. They're going to remind us that even though we are a team as a husband and wife, we forget that sometimes because life kind of gets in the way and life throws different things at us that we're often not ready for and we can often blame each other for things that we don't even mean to. But beyond that, they've got just super practical advice to offer to us. And in their new book, which is written like a 31-day devotional, it's a great resource to have on your bedside table to refer to every so often and it is coming out this January 28th 2020 so make sure that you pick that up. Amber and Guy Leah live in Southern California with their four sons. Amber actually writes a popular blog called Mother of Nights. You can find her at motherofnights.com or amberlea.com. But she and Guy together are co-producers and owners of their own faith and family-friendly production company called Storehouse Media Group in Los Angeles. So they're partnering together here on this episode, but they are also in the media and share their gifts in the entertainment industry to produce strong faith-based media productions. This is part one in a two-part series, recognizing the triggers in your marriage. And join us for the next part by subscribing to the Practical Family podcast, either through our website at practicalfamily.org or iTunes, or really wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure that you leave us a rating too. If you haven't done so before and you're a regular listener, go ahead and pause. Go ahead and press pause and rate us right now because you may forget later. And the more ratings that we get, the more people we will show up to on the iTunes list. So without further ado, here are our special guests today, Amber and Guy Leah, talking about marriage triggers. So today on the Practical Family Podcast, I am welcoming back Amber Leah. Amber, you were here last time with Wendy Speak talking about parenting triggers. Yes, we did. We were both here with you and it was such a good conversation where we were just discussing how we exchange parents' angry reactions for gentle biblical responses. And it was a really vulnerable conversation and very transparent conversation. And we love getting, being on here and talking with you. So thanks for having me back. Oh, it was. And this time you brought back your bestie, your oh, hubby. <laughs> Hi, Guy. Welcome to Practical Family. Thank you. Thank you so much for having both of us together. Yes. So, so Amber and her hubby, Guy, have written a new Triggers book called Marriage Triggers, Exchanging Spouses' Angry Responses for Gentle Biblical 
reaction. So even th that idea of responding versus reacting, you know, you talk about yeah. that a lot in this book. And I love that it's written with 31 chapters. It allows it to be kind of a monthly devotional. I love that. That's perfect. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that was really, you know, part of the goal with the first book with parenting triggers is that, you know, we know there's lots of different issues that can cause problems in our parenting or in our marriages. But we also recognize that people are busy. They don't have a lot of time to read and get through big, long chapters. So we've got 31. They're short, but they're full of practical and biblical goodness. So hopefully people can even read it through over the course of a month and be able to really see a difference in their lives over the course of those 31 days. Oh yeah. I'm and and it's written pretty fair handedly so that I think the gentleman will enjoy the read as well. Thank you. Th Guy, thank you for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Our, Absolutely. As practical family is an audience of mostly women. We right. do find that a lot of, you know, wives want to read things that are good for their marriage. And depending on, on the book or what the book even looks like on the cover, you know, do I feel comfortable sharing this with my husband? Or is this something that my husband would want to pick up and read, you know, is yeah. a good thing. So thank you for that. Absolutely. So Guy, you saw your spouse doing all of these things with parenting triggers. I'm sure you guys shared and talked a lot about that, you know, as you guys are raising your boys. What spurred you both to partner in this marriage project? Yeah, you know, it was such a blessing for me to watch Amber and Wendy go through the process of writing their first two books with Parenting Triggers and then Parenting Scripts, and just to see the overwhelming response from their readers and how lives were literally being changed and not just the lives of the moms or the dads that were reading it, but a generational change because the way they change their parenting suddenly has an effect on the way their kids will parent in the future. Mm -hmm. And I think when Amber and I started to talk about doing this and Amber asked me to join her in this, we just thought it would be a really interesting kind of angle for the two of us to write this book together. You know, our hope and dream is that it'll have that same effect where it's mm -hmm. not just the marriage of those who are reading the book, but also the way our children see us as a married couple modeling for them what the future of their marriages could possibly be like and how you deal with situations and how you work through conflicts and because we all have the conflicts they're they're existent it's an organic nature of, of marriage and so if our kids see us working through that it it will affect them and so that's why I was excited to, to write this with Amber and to be able to have a voice for myself in sharing some of my thoughts and feelings and how we've worked through some of these triggers together from my perspective. Mm. Yes, yeah. and I am grateful for your perspective as, as a husband and father, by the way. I, yeah. I loved reading your chapters as much as Amber's. This was not a book that we, we really wanted to write, and, and neither was the Parenting <laughs> Triggers book. But after writing the book for parents, I heard a lot of people asking me. They said, this changed my parenting so much, but I'm just still really struggling in my marriage. And while I'm able to apply a lot of these same principles, it'd be great to have something that was specific for couples. And so I really resisted that for a good couple of years. And then the Lord just made it very clear to me as I talked with more and more readers and prayed through it, that this was the next thing that God wanted me to do. And I hope you can hear me. Okay. Of course, this is how, how it works when you're, when you're talking about um, spiritual things. Um, even people like the gardener that's not supposed to be here right now is suddenly at my house. So I don't know if you can hear that, Jennifer. I hope you can't, but suddenly we have a gardener. <laughs> blowing a leaf blower. I'm so sorry. 
No, I, I actually can't hear it at all, but no, okay, like, good. you know, listeners. So that's a trigger. <laughs> <laughs> yes. When right things there, when don't your gardener go. your shows up in the middle of an interview, right? <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. And when things don't, don't go as planned, when things don't go as expected, we're going to yeah. cover that idea of expectations today because it yep. comes up not only in parenting triggers, it comes up a ton in marriage because you're yeah, trying to do this thing together. You're trying to raise tiny humans and take care of a house mm. and a life and a livelihood and you have to kind of work with another person. I mean, it's annoying, but it, yeah, to seek to understand each other too. Um, and that's why I love whenever the, the husbands um, and fathers can come on and give that perspective. It mm -hmm. really helps to round out the entirety of what God planned mm -hmm. for us in this relationship. Absolutely. So, we're just taking a short break to introduce you to this episode's sponsor. Being married can be great, but it can also feel lonely, frustrating, and sometimes confusing. If you're hungry for a safe community of wives who support, encourage, and challenge you in your walk as a wife, A Wife Like Me is the place for you. The A Wife Like Me community offers new content every week on their website, the fun and hilarious A Wife Like Me podcast, and weekly videos. The team of wives from across the country share genuine struggles on topics ranging from intimacy to communication to in-law struggles and self-care to balancing it all. A Wife Like Me also released their book, Dear Wife, 10-Minute Invitations to Practice Connection with Your Husband to help you, the busy mom, grow closer to your husband in just 10 minutes a day. Visit awifelikeme.com to discover how you can thrive in life and in marriage. Now back to our episode 82, Recognizing the Triggers in Your Marriage with Amber Leah and her husband, Guy Leah. So this book is separated. You separated it between external and internal triggers. What was the difference there. Yeah, well, I think it's helpful to recognize that some of the triggers that we face in our marriages are those external things. It's things we, you know, we don't um, necessarily have that are welling up inside us, but like a messy house, for example, mm -hmm. or, you know, maybe one of your spouse is a backseat driver, you know, maybe just the car rides are always a place where you erupt and get into arguments <laughs> and have trouble. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, honey, no, no, no comments from the peanut gallery on that. <laughs> so, but we do, we have these external triggers and then sometimes the triggers are internal where it's, um, past wounds that haven't had a chance to heal. It's those expectations that we come in. It's our personality differences. Sometimes it's, um, it's things like just not parenting on the same page. So, you know, they're, they're, it's helpful to kind of think about, is this a trigger that stems from something internal within me? Or is this something that's more external? Because then we'll sometimes have different approaches depending on whether that trigger is internal or external with how do we respond in a gentle biblical way um, and not reacting in anger. Right. So Guy, how, how would you describe how your marriage has sort of, you know, evolved and grown over the years in terms of changing the way you understood each other or the way that you started to react instead of respond? Yes. Yeah, it's actually a pretty big question. I guess I'd say that, you know, Amber and I came into marriage with a, um, a vision and perspective of what marriage was going to look like for us. Um, Amber's was much more well-defined 
and much more well thought out. And she had many years of friends in marriages and she was watching friends. And I, um, I think I had my picture of what that meant. And, but I don't know how seriously I took what my role was going to be as a husband. Um, when I, when you talk about the, the, when you get beyond the honeymoon, you know, when things are all wonderful and great and all of a sudden you start to get into the, the pain of the bills and the, the setting goals and working together and working through um, all these different conflicts. And, and that's when we had a number of really tough situations hit us very early on in our marriage. We actually got pregnant within three months of our wedding. So we went from single to engaged to married and then into having a baby within a year and a half, you know, less than two years, probably. The transition that a lot of people go through and have time to kind of work out and all, we had to skip some of those things. And so we got right into parenting or planning for parenting before Amber and I had created our relationship on a solid foundation first. And I take responsibility a little bit for that because I think I got caught up in just the the transition and the craziness of what happened with getting pregnant and and we had we also had a really tough first baby very colicky and and so this first nine months to a year year and a half were really really difficult and I had a super high pressure job that kept me out of the house for 13 14 15 hours a day and I brought a lot of work home with me too and Amber was a school teacher and was done by three or so along with getting her master she was still done and kind of waiting for me, you know, and so we just didn't have a chance to deal with these things. And so it took us many years of failing and working through pride, my own pride issues, to get to a point where we we finally were like, we need to do something to get back to the love that we had in the beginning. And how do we do that? And it took a lot of prayer and a lot of, I say sacrifice, but it was good sacrifice um, in the end changes that I had to make internally and that Amber had to make as well so that we could make room for each other in our relationship so that we could be the best for each other as well as the best parents. So it, it, it went through quite a bit. I think Amber could probably add some more milestones throughout that maybe. Well, you know, in, in a marriage relationship, what do you want? You want to be married so that you can be connected, so that you can experience love with one another. And I think when we talk about expectations, like you said, Jennifer, earlier, that we come into it, I think a lot of us with expecting what are we going to get out of this personally for ourselves. And that was really where I got off track. And um, that with a a lack of (laughs) planning and intentionality set us up for disaster, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And so we just had a lack of friendship. We were operating under duress often um, with a very colicky, upset baby and a lot of time apart. And so then when we did come together, and we were just doing a lot of trying to problem solve as opposed to really foster our relationship. And so a lot of that, um, both of us, I think, got caught up in a lot of self-centeredness and self-focus. And that was not a good combination for a marriage relationship. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But the Lord woke yeah. us up and we knew that we had a couple of choices to make. Um, we could either continue in the aftermath of chaos and angry reactions and end up as a statistic or we could stop and take a holy pause and consider what we needed to do to start communicating better and connecting mm-hmm. better. And really the root of that was that we needed to grow spiritually toward one another because until we could be humble, sure. until we could really examine what love looks like in everyday matters, uh, we weren't going to change. And so 
we got down to the business of doing that. <laughs> and thankfully the Lord was good in helping us get to where we are now, which is still two triggered people often, but we know better now how to respond instead of react. Right, right. I find that even in my own marriage, it's taken a lot of arguments and fights and trying to do things differently. Sometimes, not always, sometimes we go back to the same responses, <laughs> but when we do try to do things differently and still it doesn't work out, one of us still walks away, you know, offended or not heard or not seen or something. Though all of those are like rocks that we had had to build on to kind of step up to realize, okay, I don't want to do that again. So let's try something different. If we don't change, then we're not going to grow, right? Yes. So what kind right. of needed to change with both of you? Or maybe you guys can answer this separately. What, what kinds of things needed to change in order for you to grow more toward connectedness rather than self-centeredness? Well, I think for me, one of the main things that I had to do was that I had to, one of the first chapters is this idea of having an intimacy idol. And from the get-go, and I even still have to battle this at times, but I have this expectation of what my marriage is supposed to look like and how my husband should treat me. And so my focus is, gets too outwardly instead of focus, focusing more on what I can do to be a blessing in my marriage and to my husband. But I have this expectation of what intimacy in my marriage should look like. For me, it looked like my husband having a nine to five job, setting me up behind a white picket fence, um, you know, having very um, spiritual conversations over dinner and meals with our kids and um, him surprising me with exactly the thing that I would love to be surprised with on occasion, you know, little gifts or whatever. And, you know, that just is not real life for a lot of us. Mm. And those expectations, I mean, I married somebody who's a creative who worked in the entertainment industry. His schedule, no day looks the same as the next. There's all kinds of flux. Like there's no stability of income. It's always, you know, either feast or famine, you know? So all of these security things, these ideals, these expectations that I had set up in my mind that Guy mentioned earlier, the Lord was like, Amber, if you have all of those things, you have no room for me anymore. So I will allow these things to be unstable in your life so that you will learn that your role is simply to live out Christ-likeness and to trust me in every moment and to love your husband. This isn't about what your husband can do for you so much as what it is you can do for your husband. And there's a verse that um, this kind of ties in with one of the other chapters about when one of us needs an attitude adjustment. I needed an attitude adjustment. I, I was making this idea of the perfect intimacy within marriage, um, an idol in my life. Because what happened is, is if I didn't, if it didn't fit my standard and expectation of what my marriage should look like and my husband should look like, then my attitude went south and I became very discouraged and bitter and angry and frustrated. And at the result of that was a really damaged and fractured relationship with the guy. And so that idol, um, God, God was like that Amber, your, your marriage is not what's going to make you happy. Guy is not what's the source of your happiness and your joy. It's me, it's Christ alone. And yeah. so until you die to yourself and that expectation of intimacy in marriage and what it looks like, it's not going to get any better. And so in the chapter on an attitude adjustment, which kind of ties in with this same idea, there's a verse that is, I think, really foundational. And I talk about it from a parenting approach in my book, Parenting Scripts. But Romans 12, 10 says this. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another 
in showing honor. And so I had this shift in my thinking from this is what my marriage should look like. And because I don't have it, I'm going to be sinfully angry Mm -hmm. to this is really not about me. This is about how I'm supposed to treat and honor and love my husband, regardless of my circumstances or what he does or doesn't do, because there's nothing my anger can do that love can't do better. And so for me, showing my husband brotherly affection and outdoing him in showing him honor is the key and the foundation of what I need to do. So I had to wake up in the morning and ask myself, um, what can I do today to outdo God in showing him honor and love? What can I do to be selfless? And I'm not talking about abusive relationships where you just let people abuse you. I'm not talking about Um, being a complete doormat and having a victim or martyr mentality. I'm talking about coming at this from an aspect of selflessness and wanting to grow in the Lord. Because when we outdo one another in showing affection and honor toward each other, if both people are doing that, what an incredible marriage you will have. But even if only one of you is doing that, then you become somebody who thrives because your joy is not dependent your daily choices, your ability to grow in the fruit of the spirit is not dependent on any of your circumstances or any other person. It's simply between you and the Lord. And that's going to have a radical impact on our marriages. So to just wake up and say, you know what? I really wish he would do more of the dishes, but you know what? They're here. What can I do? I see a need. I'm going to fill a need. What can I do to outdo him in showing him honor? And you know what? The other thing too, Jennifer, is that I'm absolutely convinced and I've seen it time and time again, that there's no way that you can have that kind of radical um, commitment to the Lord and affection and kindness towards your spouse and it not have a positive impact on them. Unless they're a really, really broken person who, you know, there are relationships that do need counseling and some more serious types of intervention. But for most typical marriages, If you're going to have that kind of approach to your spouse, there's just no way that that person will remain immune to your loving kindness. It will always have a positive impact on them and strengthen your marriage relationship. You've been listening to episode 82, Recognizing the Triggers in Your Marriage, part one. Come back and join us for part two of this conversation. There is more to be heard, and Amber and Guy are just such great guests. They have a lot more to say and share with you all about their own struggles in marriage, and we really believe that it'll help you. So wherever you are in your marriage, and even if you're going through a rough patch right now, know that there is always hope. You know, God sees you. He knows your needs. He knows what your family needs, and you two have been brought together for a specific purpose and time. Amber and Guy Leah want to encourage you in that. So come back and listen to episode 83, part two of recognizing the triggers in your marriage and pick up their book. Marriage Triggers comes out on January 28th, 2020. You can order from Amazon or wherever Christian books are sold or visit us on practicalfamily.org and share this blog post wherever you find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter. And as always, thank you for joining us. This has been Jennifer Bryant with the Practical Family Podcast, where we are helping to strengthen moms for real life struggles to help you discover your gifts and embrace grace.